welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. I'm excited about this morning. I have been for a while. Uh, one, because my friend Steve Weens is going to be teaching. Steve has taught here before. Um, but more recently, sorry Steve, but I'm more excited about uh, recently, Mary, his wife, uh, agreed to come and to read uh, a piece that she's written, um, kind of uh, recognizing that today is Mother's Day, and Mary and Steve are two of our like favorite people in the whole world, and so uh, whenever we get to share this community, which we love so deeply, uh, with them and, and vice versa, it's always a joy for me. Um, so I'll, I'll introduce Mary, and then Steve will come up afterwards, so if you would give them a warm, awakened welcome. Well, hi, friends. Um, I would like to share with you today uh, a blessing that I wrote a year ago. And as often happens when I wrote it, and I know it happens with preaching too, I thought I was writing about what I had learned. And actually, I had no idea how much I was writing forward into what I needed to learn and what I needed to hear. And so um, I'm going to receive this blessing today too as I offer it to you. Um, really, the whole process of writing this started with a question, and it was one of those heavy, sticky, fearful questions. I was asking myself, how will I stand up under the weight of affecting generations to come with my mistakes, my successes, my failures, my healed and not healed self? Well, thankfully, with time, that question morphed, it broadened, and it gentled. And um, it began to sound more like this. When the work is deeply meaningful, when we know we will not complete it, or do it to perfection, or do it like anybody else would do it, how do we find the courage, the hope, and the energy to walk into it anyway? I began to ask, what does God say to us when we encounter our limits and our fragility? So in the end, I realized just how very human it is to feel at times, like life is asking of us more than we have or more than we are, and to feel like life is big and ourselves small in the face of it. Um, to know that what is before us is important, uh, but to feel that we can't do it or aren't doing it or that it's too hard. So with that understanding came this real deep desire to bless humanness, and so that's what this is about. On Mother's Day especially, I'm well aware that my words fall on a wide array of emotions from celebration to grief and any combination in between. So I just want you to know that whatever your story is, or your age, even your gender, whether the children you hold are in your heart or in your arms or in the work of your hands, these words are aimed to bless the human heart. So today... Whatever size opening you have in your heart for belief, go there to that opening and try and receive what these words are. Here it is. Repeat these words to yourself. I am good. I belong. I am called. Today, you can accept that from beginning to end, we are all light and dark. Like those who went before you, and those who come after you, every day, human. Not the whole picture, not the whole story, and not meant to be. You were made to be one person with something to contribute to the whole. And it is time. 
Time to own that you are here now. Own your gifts. Own your shadows, your insecurity and maturity, your true capacity, its expanse and its limits, your place. Because no one else can be what you are here to be. So listen to me. Take yourself off the hook. Do it now. The meat hook, the fish hook. Go back to the field and back to the water. Get yourself out from under the microscope. Sit up, jump down, be moved to a spacious place. Leave the room where you sit under the juror's gaze. Stand up, walk out, return to your home, and arrive there, hearing the voice of God saying, just rest, daughter. Just rest, son. You are good. You belong. You are called. I am giving you all you need to do the work I have for you. You don't have to be enough. You don't have to bring something for everyone. You just need to do what I am asking you to do. You are exactly who I need you to be for the tasks that are yours. I am not afraid to watch you walk out your calling. Along this unfamiliar path, I will lead you gently. I will gather you in arms that can hold. Severity doesn't serve. Knowing how is not your savior. Worry doesn't guard the sacred future. Put down those heavy bricks. I will complete this. I am carrying this. All will be well. And in answer, you say the only thing you can say. Here I am. I will give myself. I will do it as me. And then you hear back what you most need to hear. Here I am. Here I am, yours and God's simultaneous. And then you will be able to say what you most need to say. Children, I honor the life of God in you. Repeat these words with me. I am good. I belong. I am called. Well, uh, my opinion is she is good. <laughs> she belongs. She's called. Um, so yeah, just a moment to let that sink in. That beautiful word of connecting with God in the space that is your humanness, who you actually are, not who you want to be, not who you wish you would be if you just got it all together and had everything straightened out with your mess, with your stuff, be with God and be with yourself. You can. In fact, that's the only way to be with God. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for Awaken, for this beautiful community. Thank you for Micah and Laura and the girls and their continued leadership and their heart. Uh, thank you for Toph. Thank you for Ben and the new beginnings that are in his life. And thank you for the way that you continually hold us, carry us, and lead us into all the new beginnings that are in front of us that we can see and even the ones that we cannot see. We know you're here. Bless us with every gift that we need. Amen? 
All right, so uh, we are continuing this series on generosity, and I've been listening via podcast to Micah's teaching, and you know, maybe you're just used to his teaching. Maybe it's just like, oh yeah, you know, Micah, he's our teacher, but he's a really good teacher, gang. He is an amazing, he's funny, he's hilarious, he's deep, he brings it in a way that I think is really inviting, and so Micah, man, thank you for being a teacher in my life. Um, we get to share some community with Micah and Laura, we get to... Um, sit in this teaching and learning community about three times a year, and so we've gotten to know them really, really well. I got to be uh, Micah's roommate in Israel uh, when we went there this last fall, which was actually amazing. I mean, we are perfect roommates. I mean, it, we, we, we could do that, except for we are married to better roommates, and so we will not, we will not do that. <laughs> Um, so it's great to be with you guys. Uh, I have just left my job uh, of seven years at Church of the Open Door, this massive church out in Maple Grove, and I am planting a church, um, a covenant church in the sort of the western side of the cities. Thrilled, scared, out of my mind, but also really, really excited. And so it's fun to be with you guys uh, this, this morning. So the text that we're going to keep moving on with, 2 Corinthians 8, I'm going to read starting in verse 9. So if you have a Bible, if you have your iPhone, your iPad, your Droid, whatever you have to read the scriptures with, I'm going to start in verse 9. You can also read it up on the screen. It starts in verse 9, right? Yeah. Uh, You know the grace that has come to us. You know the grace that has come to us. Through our Lord Jesus, the anointed, he set aside his infinite riches and was born into the lowest circumstance, so that you may gain great riches through his humble poverty. Now listen, it's been a year since we called your attention to this opportunity to demonstrate God's grace, so here's my advice. Pull together your resources and finish what you started. Remember how excited you were at first. It's time to complete this task in the same spirit. Now if there's a willingness to help, give within your means. That's perfectly acceptable to give within your means. I kind of heard a different message growing up. That's perfectly acceptable. No one expects you to go without or borrow to give. The objective is not to go under so others will have some relief. The objective is to use this opportunity today to supply their needs out of your abundance. One day it may be the other way around, and they will need to supply your needs from what they have. That's equality. As it is written, the one who gathered plenty didn't have more than he needed, and the one who gathered little didn't have less. So as, uh, you know, Micah has been teaching the last couple weeks, the context is this little church in Macedonia has been giving to the Corinthians, and now it's time for the Corinthians to give back. And so it's this admonition to, to, to be generous. And what I love about this text that we just read is it raises three questions for me. And the questions are, what does it mean that grace has come to us? And what does it mean, that little phrase that, you know, you know the grace that has come to us? So what does it mean that grace has come to us? First question. Second question, what does it mean to pull together your resources and finish what you started? And three, what does it mean to give within your means? Not to overextend, not to be a superhero, not to be that guy or that woman that does it all in order to feed some probably inner need that you have. What does it mean to give what you have and not more than that? What does it mean to say no sometimes? Because to say yes 
would be to give beyond your means, and that's not what God is calling you to do. So lots of questions. First, what does it mean that grace has come to us? So let's do a little free association with the word grace. What does it mean? This is your turn to talk. What does grace mean? Just free association, words that come up. Grace means free gift, beautiful. Forgiveness, undeserved. Delight. Hard. Yeah, grace is kind of hard to offer. Well, uh, Greek word charis, really what that means is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, or loveliness. Grace comes to you, primarily. Grace comes to you in the form of someone who delights in you and who loves being in your presence. Grace is pure and utter childlike delight at being in your presence. Our son Ben, every once in a while, and lately, he, Mary uh, told me this, that lately he's been saying, and Ben is five, we have two five-year-olds, they're twins, and an almost seven-year-old, uh, all boys, so our house is complete and utter testosterone-filled chaos at every moment of the day, except for when Ben moves toward us with grace sometimes, and lately he's been moving toward Mary, and he'll say this to her, Mom, do you know what I haven't done yet today? And she'll say, what? And he'll say, hug you. Now, Ben, if you've seen the, word, the, the, the movie Frozen, Ben is a love expert, truly. <laughs> and he will say that. In fact, the other day, he, we, we were kind of comparing all the people in our, in our family, all, all five of us, and, and Ben, he has these piercing blue eyes, these huge blue eyes, and, and he goes, Dad, you know, in our family, I am the love expert. <laughs> and he is. He is. Anyone who's known Ben, Diana and, and staff up there know Ben. And like when you come to our house, Ben meets you at the door with a hug and with a huge... <laughs> and then he'll take you upstairs to play with, you know, his Barbie castle. And it is amazing. <laughs> Uh, and if you've been at our house, you know that that's absolutely true. Ben is full-on grace. Now, I, part of the deal that, that, that so we need to open up the theological word a little bit because we hear grace and we automatically think deep theology, right? So grace is the means by which God showed us his love through Jesus Christ on the cross. All of that's totally true. It's undeserved totally true, but my fear is when we talk like that, now we're just in a creaky old library that's dusty and smelly, and we're reading about grace. Instead of experiencing grace racing toward you with delight in his or her eyes because he or she loves to be with you. That's grace. That's a picture of grace. Grace delights in you. Not because you got it right, not because you're all that, not because you got the ducks in a row, not because the list is done, not because you showed up at 9.30, you got the kids in the van and got to church by 9.29, and that's the biggest, not because any of that, not because you did or didn't do anything. Grace rushes to you because grace 
delights in you. So maybe the famous, most famous story in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. You know that beautiful story. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. It's the story of a son who wanted his inheritance early, and the father gave it to him, and the son goes off, spends it all, comes back penniless and poor, and the father, instead of uh, shunning the son, which the community would have actually demanded, the father runs out to meet the son, embraces the son, ring on his finger, robe on his back, the, he kills the fatted calf, throws a big party for the whole community, and the whole community is there partying big time except for the older son who is ticked off and unbelievably upset because that son is not getting what he deserved. I had the picture of this, the, 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 the story ends with the older son outside of the party talking to the father, and the father saying, listen, all I've had is yours, all I have is yours, you can come into the party right here, right now, you just need to come in, and the story ends with like the question, will the son go in? Now here's the truth about that beautiful story. When the father moved toward the younger son when he was still a long way off, you know that beautiful phrase, when he is still a long way off? The truth is grace broke open in that whole community and came to every single person in that community through that one act. It definitely came to the younger son, didn't it, right? Ring on the finger, robe on the back, the younger son with the shoes hanging off of his feet, hungry, thinking all I can do is work in my dad's house, and now I get to be a son again. So grace comes to the son, who else does grace come to in this story? Well, be the iron worker that gets invited to this beautiful party with wine and the fatted calf. I mean, you're like, man, you've been working all day and all of a sudden, party time. And party is not just like from 7 to 11. In the Middle East, it's like, we're going to party for a few days, people. Shut the iron forge. Shut the whole community down. It's party time. Grace comes to a whole community when one person decides to delight in another person. It's radiating like that. I mean, it's unbelievable. When Ben says to Diana or Steph up there, I love you, and hugs her, something happens in the house. Sorry, my, I, I get loud sometimes and kids freak out. Um, I don't freak out if, kids, if your kids make noise, though. Your kids can make all the noise in the world, and I, I really will just keep going. But also grace comes to the older son. I mean, grace comes to the older son. You see that too, right? At no point in the story is the older son kicked out for his uh, kind of bad attitude. I mean, if it was my son, I'd be like, dude, get your butt in the party. But no, the... Even grace comes to the older son because his father doesn't force him to go in. His father just tells him this beautiful phrase, hey, hey, all I have is yours. It's always been yours. All I have is yours. It's always been yours. So would you come in? I mean, that's grace. So what does it mean to be a community of generosity to understand first that grace has come to you? What would that look like for you as a community, for you as a family, for you as a person to understand that grace has come to you, that grace is coming to you every breath and every moment. Grace is running toward you with delight in his eyes, delight in her eyes. Grace is moving toward you at all times. 
I think it means to open up your hands and be willing to receive. And my guess is, if you, if you, if your shirt turned blue, if, if it was hard for you to receive, and if your shirt turned red right now, if it was easy for you to receive, what color would your shirt be right now? If I could just magic wand, Harry Potter, boom! Most of us, our shirts would be, would be blue. It's hard for us to receive. It's really hard. We are used to earning it, to giving it. It's hard to receive it. So the first click in you being a generous person might just be becoming a person who knows how to ask for help and who knows how to receive help. That very thing might be the thing that catapults you into generosity. Because you cannot be a generous person if you do not know how to receive generosity yourself. I believe that is an absolute maxim of life. Maxim, truth. So, your big click right now might be, in the next seven days, try to ask for help seven times. Like when someone says, hey, can I bring something? You know, when you're like, you know, you've totally overextended yourself, but you still invited someone over to your house. You have no idea how you're going to cook the food. You have no idea how, you know, hey, can we, can we bring something? No, I'm good. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, you can bring the wine. You can bring a really delicious dessert, preferably an old-fashioned glazed donut. For me, that would be my request. What would it look like to ask for help? So um, what does it mean that grace has come to us? I think that's a question we've got to ask if we're going to be generous people. Uh, second question. question. <laughs> that's nice. Um, what does it mean for you and for us to pull together our resources and finish what we started? How many people love starting things, right? How many people love finishing things? We got some teachers in the room. Are you loving the school year right now? Are any like moms in the room? Are you loving helping your kids finish or dads finish the homework right now? No. You're like, it needs to be the end of the school year now. I'm so sick of it. Then you catapult into the summer and then you're freaked out about that. So, because the kids are going to be home. What does it mean to be a person who finishes what you start? Well, um, we think about this in terms of big things, but in our house and in my life, one of the biggest ways that I can finish what I start well is when I think about the end of the day and how I act towards my kids and when it's bedtime, right? Get your jammies on now. How many times do I have to tell you? What does it mean to love my kids well at the end of a long day and put them to bed with love and grace in my heart? I mean, that's the deal. Now, you can say, what does it mean to, you know, finish well in terms of giving money or whatever? That's great. In terms of finishing a project, that's great. For me, it has to boil down to something as simple as how do I end my day with my kids and with my wife? Am I the person I want to be? Do I delight in them? When Elijah, our, one of our other twin, he's usually the first one that comes downstairs in the morning. And he, he'll just kind of sit. Oh, first of all, he'll drop his stuff down the stairs, like his stuffed animal and a book or two, announcing his presence. 
always earlier than he is allowed. But then he'll just kind of sit on the top step. And one of the greatest spiritual disciplines of my life is to look at him and have the first eye contact between him and me not be, dude, get back upstairs. You know it's not 7 o'clock yet. It's, it's you. Oh my gosh, Elijah, I am so glad to see you. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Well, that's pretty easy for me to do that in the morning. But at about 7 o'clock at night, it's much harder. So what does it mean to finish my day as a loving dad the way I started it? And I think, here's the deal. It means stopping and finding my source of grace once again because it doesn't come from trying hard to be a really loving dad or to be a really perfect dad. It comes from breathing at the, at the sink, looking out the window. I'm losing it. I'm ticked off. I'm angry. And believing that God runs to me with grace in that moment just like God does at the beginning of the day. There's a great verse in the next chapter of 2 Corinthians, one of my favorite verses of the whole, in the whole scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work because God is able to make what? Grace, to make delight to make his presence, her presence, abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you can put your kids to bed with grace. <laughs> and don't make it a whole lot bigger than that. So you can finish your day with God's love, pulsing in, in and out, breathing in and out. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you can do that actually in your actual life and so that grace is not just a theological concept. It's something that can flow into you and flow through you to the people you love the most, your family and the people you work with. So last question, what does it mean to give within your means? Oh, this is the good one, right? How many people are good at giving within their means? No one. We all overextend ourselves. So what does it mean to say no? What does it mean to establish a limit, to feel your edges? I have a friend that's always telling me that. Steve, when was the last time you felt your edges? I'm like, what? When was the last time you noticed your limits and stopped there instead of going past it? I mentioned that we are in just thick in the world of church planting right now. And the most, the most fascinating thing happened when, I, when we made the decision and we started going public about the fact that, hey, we're planting a church. People came up to us and they were like, why are you doing that? We tried that and it almost killed us. And we're like, thank you. You are encouraging me greatly right now in this call that God has given us. Oh, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. You'll hate it. But man, I'm glad you're doing it. You know, like someone's got to do it. Woo! 
And so I remember talking, Mary and I, so we would meet with Micah and Laura, and we would say, okay, give us the straight scoop, you know? And they, they would say things like, you know, it, it is hard. Yeah, but it's also beautiful. And Micah said this thing to us. He goes, the people that, kill, that it kills them when they plant churches, it, it kills them because they go into it with a mindset that they're going to do it all and do it perfectly from day one, and they're going to stretch way past their limits, and they bring that to themselves. So as long as you don't do that, you're going to be okay. So Mary and I talked a lot about boundaries. I mean, we talked a lot about boundaries. And now we're in the phase of having to actually keep the boundaries. So that's an even harder conversation. You could talk about boundaries. Keeping them is, is the actual thing that's hard. So we had this location that was perfect. And um, we, we, we thought it was going to work out. Perfect location, perfect space. We loved it. It was great. And then we thought it was going to work out. And then I got an email that said, hey, we've been thinking, and we don't want to lease to you guys. And I was just like, I mean, it just, it, it, it hit me like all of a sudden the whole dream was going to crumble right there, you know? And then I felt shame. Like, what kind of church planner am I if like one thing kills me? I got I to gotta buck up. I mean, I got to be a whole lot stronger than that. And then I felt disappointed. And then I kept trying to feel not disappointed. And then I would feel really disappointed. And I'd be like, man, we're going to be in a field. We're going to be in a hockey rink in January. That's where we're going to be. That's the best we're going to get. And I really kind of had to have some conversations with God about this. And then I got an email from this woman named Katie. Katie with a C. And because I didn't want you to think Katie with a K, because that, that would be weird. Um, <laughs> And she said, you know what, Steve, I really want to help you in any way that I can. I'm really gifted in project management stuff. I'm really gifted in details. I'm really gifted in helping big things come together and feel smaller. And I'm, really, I'm just really good at putting things in, into bite-sized chunks and actually doing them. And I'm really excited about that, doing that with you. And so can't, would, would you mind if I did that for free? And I'm like, let me think about that. It was like, and I, I mean, I knew her, and so it was an easy yes. Uh, and then so, so, so then she goes, okay, how can I help? Now, here's the thing. You have to have an answer to that question if you want to be a generous person. If you want to live within your means, you have to have an answer to that question when someone says, how can I help? So my answer was, yeah, you can help us find a location because it's driving me crazy. And I'm just on Google Maps, just, you know, just just stressing, like, well, maybe that, no, maybe, no, and making like one phone call. She made like 70 calls in the first day. She's like, Steve, I got this option, this option, that option, and I was like, oh my goodness, yes. God sometimes gives a location. Sometimes God gives a person to let you know you don't have to do it all. And that was the lesson I needed to learn at this stage in the game in church planning. Hey, you think you're going to do it all yourself? You're not that gifted. I mean, you're good at a couple of things. You're really not good at what she's good at. And I want you to learn how to ask for help. So I'm not going to, I don't know if this, how, if this is how God works, I, but this is how it worked for me in this moment. God said, I want to bring you someone that's going to help you understand that I show up in terms of people resources usually a whole lot faster than I show up in terms of like a location to meet. Because we're going to find a location. People are more important. Amen? I mean, you guys are, this is a church plant. We're just three years old, right? People are more important than the joke joint, right? If this place burned, thank you. If this place burned down tonight, God forbid, Awaken wouldn't 
wouldn't die. It, it would, you'd go through some stress in trying to find a new spot. But awaken, you can't blow up awaken because awaken exists in the hearts of its people. And that's the lesson that I need to learn. And if I'm going to be a, an effective pastor to a group of people, I'm going to need to say, my limits are here. My edges are here. I will feel them and you will feel them. So we're in this together, right? And you're in this together. And that's why we're in this series called Generosity. It's not because, you know, I love, love how Micah, you know, teed it up like Awaken is in great shape financially, which doesn't mean don't give. It just means this is not, we're not giving this generosity series because, hey man, it's time to give. It is time to start thinking about what does it mean for you to be a person that understands that grace has come to you and that you can make commitments to give and you can follow through with them, but you can do so within your means. And that's how the community actually will be spread out. And that's how everyone, like, you know, we always say, you have a gift. We want to use your gift. Have you ever thought when you're stretching yourself too thin and when you're doing too many things, you're stealing someone else's opportunity to give a gift? And that's not cool. I mean, that's just not good. Can you trust God has brought the right people together in this room so that if people give their gifts, the work that needs to get done will get done? If people give according to their means, if people follow through what they've committed to do, and if people understand that grace needs to come to them moment by moment. So here's the question. How often do you need grace to come to you? How often do you need to feel like you're the object of God's delight? I think a good barometer of that is every breath. <laughs> now I need it again. God, you still delight in me? Yep. Okay, good. Okay, now I need it again. What if your breath prayer became this? God, I know you delight in me. God on the breath in, I know you delight in me on the breath out. And what if that became such a part of your rhythm that you started to believe it? I think you would start to be a person that throws parties for whole communities of people just by your presence in a room. So Mary, uh, read, I'm going to read just a part of her beautiful, wasn't that beauti a beautiful poem that she read? I'm going to read a part of it again just so you can hear it because it just falls right into this question, what does it mean to give within your means? Just rest, daughter. Just rest, son. You are good. You belong. You are called. I am giving you all you need to do the work that I have for you. You don't have to be enough. You don't have to bring something for everyone. You just need to do what I'm asking you to do. You are exactly what, who you need to be for the tasks that are yours. And I am not afraid to watch you walk out your calling along this unfamiliar path. I will lead you gently. I will gather you in arms that can hold. Severity doesn't serve. Knowing how is not your savior. Worry doesn't guard the sacred future. Put down those heavy bricks. I will complete this. I am carrying this. All will be well.
Amen? That's the God of grace that is rushing toward you with every breath. All will be well. I will hold this. I will complete this. What are the heavy bricks that you need to put down right now? I mean, right now, what are they? Write them down on a piece of paper. The heavy brick of planting this church all by myself. Put it down. That's not yours. It's not what I called you to do. Raising these kids to be perfect kids who know how to sew and cook and eat vegetables by age three. Put it down. Heavy bricks. How to be a perfect spouse. How to not fight with my husband. How to not be nitpicky. Put it down. Those are heavy bricks. Learn how to receive the grace that is moving toward you with every breath and every moment so that you can be a person that abounds in every good work because God is able to make all grace abound to you. This is the mystery of the gospel, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what it is. It's grace abounding in you with every single breath. So what does it mean to give within your means? It means to feel your limits to respect your limits, to not push past them, and to stop and wait for God to give you what you cannot crank out on your own. So what would it mean for you when you feel like you're, you're pushing past to stop? Say, okay, God, there's another moment where I need your grace. I don't want to try to crank it out on empty. I want to receive. Now we can move in generosity. Amen? Let's pray. Well, God, we love you, and you are amazing. You are such a lover. You are the love expert, actually, and we love you for it. And so, God, we're yours. We want to move into more and more areas of trust, not because we're super people, but because we believe that you abound in grace, and you abound in love, and you abound in mercy, and you are enough, and we're not enough, and you are, and we're not, but you really, really, really do rush toward us with grace in every moment and every day. Help us to receive it. Help us to give out of that reception. In your name, amen. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter and with the community. See you next time.